Welcome to the Tech Talk Show, an hour of news, views and discussion. Well, welcome to the show. Hi, James. How are you doing? Hi, Stephen. Very good. Thanks. I'm how are great. You? We've got a packed yeah. studio. We've got three guests today. We do, yes. So uh, we've got Anthony Rushworth from Homegrown. We've got Aaron Jones from Sea Fashion. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. And also we have Anthony Savvy from uh, Seeds Legal. Is that right? Uh, Anthony Rose from oh, Seeds Anthony, Legal. Anthony Rose. Oh, That's yeah. our tech savvy Oh, segment. yeah. So I've gone back the wrong bit there, James. <laughs> bit an amalgamation there. Anthony Rose. So welcome to the show, everybody. Thank um, you. We're going to talk a little bit first about uh, property investment, Anthony, aren't we? So tell us about your company and how it became to be set up. Perfect. So um, I'm Anthony Rushworth and I'm the CEO and founder of Homegrown. Um, Homegrown is a property crowdfunding platform um, and we specialize in property development. Um, so essentially that means that we give all types of investors an opportunity to invest in property development projects, effectively own a share of a property development project and share in the profits. And on the flip side, um, we give small, medium-sized developers the opportunity to access a new pool of funding. Okay. So how did it come about? Was your background in property or, or finance? Uh, a bit of both. Well, do really? okay. <laughs> so, um, for those who are based in London, um, I started uh, post university uh, working at a company called Foxton's, who which yep. divides opinion and typically is an estate agent. Um, it's a rather upmarket estate agent, is it? it, it yeah, it is. It yeah, well, typically referred to quite quickly after the name as aggressive. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Described, but I mean, they're a fantastic company to work for. Um, right. And uh, so I was there for three years, and, and that was my initial exposure to to, um, to real estate. Um, then went back to um, probably what maybe I should have done straight from university, which is to join PwC um, and train as an accountant. That's a sort of more um, formal yeah. <laughs> career pro- yeah. progression. Um, and I worked with them for just under 10 years. And following on from being at Foxton's, um, I sort of picked up the, the, the real estate theme and, and became a sort of real estate specialist throughout, um, throughout PwC. So trained as an accountant and then moved into their advisory practice. Um, specialising in, in um, insolvencies or uh, companies in any form of distress, really. Um, and then lastly into corporate finance, um, but all the while with a, a focus on real estate. Real estate, yeah. So um, what took you, did, had you experience of crowdfunding and, in other arenas or you looked at that and thought, actually I could join up property development with crowdfunding? How did that come about? Yeah, so I mean, it evolved over time, really. I mean, I was um, pretty really interested in the, the sort of sharing economy as referred to then and, and, and crowdfunding in particular. And for our industry as a whole, so there wasn't anything um, like um, sort of a property development crowdfunding, but there was the very early stages of, um, of property crowdfunding, which is really at the time referring to buy-to-let investment. Um, but in the US, this was five five years ahead, really. And you right. could see what this could become in, in what I saw as a parallel market. And, and that was really exciting. And I was doing a little bit, a bit of work at the time in corporate finance and... and um, you know, that sort of just made me quite excited at the opportunity and then spoke to a, a university friend about it. And the two of us were at that stage in a career perhaps where head down and, and, and try and head to the top of the firm or, or you look at, uh, at alternative things. And we were both pretty excited at this idea. So did, when did you take take the big leap and, and so, yeah, so that full was, time? Yeah, so that's the big decision really. So that was about December 2014, I think, when, when those discussions were going on. And um, we decided, uh, so I left the firm um, in September 15. So it was a good nine months after that um, uh, before we decided it was full time. But it just got to the point where, you know, could no longer do it in evenings and weekends. And, you know, we we're becoming more and more confident in, in, in what it could become. Yeah. And uh, so I quit my job 
and worked full time on it. And Ben uh, continued to work as he works. He's an investment banker and would describe himself as being overpaid for what he does. Mm -hmm. And um, so we we basically he continued to work part time and, and, and but full time at the bank, and, and we split his salary to to make make ends meet. So you've got a web-based uh, solution, basically, where people can come along and invest or choose to invest in particular products, or is it a general a general fund? No, yes, yeah, so it's it's set up so that you um, uh, can invest in a specific project, and and really that's you know there's a few things that crowdfunding is is, is sort of changing, and and that's one part of it that you have complete control as an investor transparency of what you're investing in but also control in terms of what you invest in and then of course with this crowdfunding there's a, a relatively low entry investment so for us it's it's 500 pounds um, which allows you to sort of spread your investment across a number of projects um, right. but it also just makes it more accessible um, not only because of the price point but but you know property development as a whole is not something that people could easily access before before crowdfunding James um, how are people's uh, financials um, put sort of protected when they when they look to invest with with homegrown yeah, there's a few stages. So um, initially, uh, their funds are held in a, in a client account, so um, that's protected in the, um, by, the, by the client monies. Um, and then at the point where it's invested into a project, um, it's held in a specific uh, limited company or an SPV that we set up for that specific project, holds all of the funds that are raised through the platform. That's then invested into um, a specific property development. Um, and we're an equity-based platform, so um, that basically means that you become a shareholder in that company. Um, it's owned solely by the by the investors. Um, and then the idea, of course, is then that that development is, is built out and, and, and you make um, you know, uh, the, the returns based on the profit that that development generates. And I assume the developer is drawing that down as and when at particular stages through the build. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works with debt. With, with the equity piece, that's actually that goes up front because right. um, typically a developer's funding about 60% of the deal, say, with debt finance. So that's released in tranches. Um, but they're, you know, they're looking to buy the land and, and develop right. the need to fund so the development costs. Uh, and so so the, the ratio of... Uh, uh, developer investment to your team. What's the sort of average ratio? Yeah, I mean, it varies. I mean, a typical structure would be something like sixty percent of the the, the costs. So again, so. That the build and, and the purchase price is the bank, and then the remaining forty percent is is the bit that's that's difficult really for a developer to access. Um, I think the majority of de developers would say that debt is relatively easy to access. It might vary in terms of the price point, but the equity is is harder. Um, that's more disorganised in terms of how you source that if you don't have the funds yourself. Yep. And the way we structure it is that the platform provides up to ninety percent of the equity and we always ask the developer to put in at least 10%. So are you worried about those sort of levels of, of financing or le leverage and gearing that are going on or not? Within the within yeah. the development, no. I mean, I think the um, it, it depends. So the majority of the projects that we would look at, sixty percent is a really a pretty reasonable um, number in terms of the cost of the overall the overall project. You know, there are um, uh, options out there for developers to be borrowing right up to a hundred percent of the cost, um, but that's usually you know it, it varies in terms of who that money's coming from. But from our perspective, I'm comfortable with sixty percent. When you when you look at the numbers and when you look at the the potential value add, um, it leaves a, a pretty significant margin. But of course. You know, ours is equity investment. You're the last, the last person in. You're looking for a share of the profit. So, you know, it is, it's not risk-free. It is, it, yeah. it's, you know, this isn't money sat in the bank making a couple of cent. You know, it's, uh, you have potential to lose your money, but, um, you know, it's um, obviously potentially attractive returns as well. I mean, historically, it's been really difficult for developers since 2008 to actually raise money. I mean, it's, I've, I've been involved in some projects, refurbishment of houses and stuff like that. It's really hard as a private. You know, developer to do that. My friend does builds flats and other things, and he's always looking at what options there are for him. And the ratios and the percentages are quite high as well. Yeah, and if you, I mean, if you 
think of the sort of projects that we're looking at, that 40% of uh, equity, the sort of cash that they're requiring, the equivalent effective deposit on a house, is a yeah. significant number. It and, is, yeah. you know, for, for a lot of um, small, medium-sized developers, that's the, the, the thing that stops them building more houses, and that's a, a hot topic, obviously, in yeah. this country at the moment as, to, as to, to, to why we're not building more homes. Well, that's one of the reasons a lot of those small developers went bust or at least had to um, scale down what they were doing because of, you know, the, 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 the crash of 2008. And some of those are only returning to the market now, but and and that's why it's really interesting for, or, or you know, our proposition is really appealing to to um, developers because it's you know a new pool of funding. Um, the other the other side of it is the regulatory side of it. So um, it is actually quite difficult for a developer to raise funding if they're not authorised by you know by the FCA. Um, you, you know, particularly from retail investors. I mean, that's impossible, um, really. You, but they could raise money from um, professional investors. But that's still it's still difficult. There's a, you know it's a, a tough regulatory environment. And so that's the other thing that, that developers really like in terms of the crowdfunding um, platform. You can build a fan base, but also you can raise money in a, in a, so in a regulated the, environment. So what's the sort? I mean, we turned into a financial news yeah, sorry, so show, a bit, yeah. which <laughs> I, I'm actually fascinated <laughs> about. But, yeah. but really, it's a bit property. Uh, well. <clears throat> What's the diff- What sort of returns are people seeing? Um, so uh, typically on the platform, we target projected returns of 15% per annum. Um, okay. So you might say typical projects over 24 months, um, including the... Um, so we only invest in projects where there's already planning and finance in place. So that's pretty much money goes in and you start building. Um, so including the sales process, there's a couple of, couple of years usually, 18 months, 24 months. Um, and so that could be, say, over a 24-month project, 30%. But that's, you know, I should say projected returns and yeah. make sure this is balanced. Yeah, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. And, yeah. And we, have, but, yeah. we have a, obviously legal opinion in the room yeah. or some sort of thing. Yeah, that's a, um, um, we'll come to that and we'll talk a little bit about that later which is quite interesting because both of you complement each other in a way but um, what's the difference between just investing in builder shares on the stock market because they've performing quite well at the moment I understand so yeah yeah I mean for, for us I, I see us as um, you know, when we talk to investors as part of someone's um, investment portfolio, you know, certainly never would suggest that someone should be putting all of their money in one project or, or even uh, as as a platform. But I think as as a way of having exposure to to real estate um, at, at the moment, this is a really exciting area. You know, buy to let is is perhaps not. Um, what it what it was um, a few years ago. I think most people. Well, mortgage applications yesterday they announced mortgage applications down by half, or granting on in the buy to let market. I think. Yeah, and uh, the main thing I think for for a lot of people is that apart from the stamp duty changes and things like that, that's made the, the you know being a buy to let land a little bit more difficult than it once was. But the, the projected sort of house price growth is, is flat, um, and most people believe it will stay flat, and depending on where you are in the country and uh, and things obviously varies. But um, you know, whereas you've seen you know close to double digit <laughs> growth numbers at some points in the last few years, so so that's changed, and, and I think. Um, to me, the idea of investing in property development is a really exciting alternative to that, where you're no longer um, sort of investing in in a, in a single unit and hoping the price goes up by suppressing the, the, the yeah. You're spreading the risk on you across the whole development, I suppose. That's yeah, but also, but but also investing in 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 you know the supply of, of the, a property rather yeah. than you know um, the market. I, the, yeah, waiting exactly. for the market. So. Um, yeah, sorry, it's gone completely from my journey. So you come in. It's, um, it's a web-based platform, isn't it? There's no no mobile apps or anything for it. No, so no, it's just o- optimised for mobile, but yeah. Yeah, so. and, um, and and so how long would the process take for, for a consumer to, to have a look, find a, a project that they... They can actually look at projects uh, that are ongoing, find one they like, and actually invest their money. Is it is it quite a quick process? 
Yeah, I mean, one of the challenges for us is to balance the regulator environment and also <laughs> the customer journey. Um, so there are certain um, steps one would have to go through. For example, we have to complete an appropriateness test so that we can assess that you're an appropriate investor and you understand the risks. Yep. Uh, and we also need to complete an ID check for anti-money laundering purposes. But um, you really, you should be able to sign up on the site and confirm your email and go through that registration process within 10 minutes, and then you'd be able to make your first investment. Um, we always want to have a, a live investment on, on the platform. It's yeah. not always possible, depending on how, how, how quickly it funds me for the next project live but um yeah so technically and, it should be 10 minutes and are your funds tied up for the duration of the project or can you come out of it early yes yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question so um this is the uh, one of the questions we get a lot around the secondary market um so currently i would say to an investor if you're investing in the platform you should expect to have it in for the length of the the, the project there's no guarantee um that, that you can you can sell it early now in reality within the next few months we're hoping to launch our secondary market on, onto yeah. the platform but of course your secondary market is only good as the liquidity on the platform so you still need a, a willing buyer um, but yeah, it's it's certainly part of the model. It's something certainly want to offer. I think two years, you know, isn't it is not a five year investment. No, people, it's a shorter you, term. You know, yeah. it's a shorter term. Some people are happy with that, but I would still like to 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 to, to sort of move towards the model, the sort of stock market model, where people have a bit more liquidity and can. And is there, is there any tax breaks for people investing? I in, you know. Enterprise investment scheme or anything else? No, no. So um, it, not not EIS, SEIS. Um, the government is looking. You might already know, I guess, at the idea of a, um, a, an There is already an innovative finance ISA, and if so, um, which applies to debt-based um, crowdfunding or peer-to-peer lending. Um, and there, there's a consultation that's ongoing about crowdfunding, equity-based crowdfunding. That is, right. um, but it's not. You know, nothing's been approved yet, and I think they're probably looking as to how the the, the peer-to-peer ISA is going, and how that performs in the next few years. But so I think it's it's something for the future, but but um, not yeah. today. No, no. So um, how long has it taken to get the website developed and the technology set behind that in terms of protection of funds and and all the other security measures on there? Yeah, a long time. <laughs> really, <laughs> a lot longer than probably longer than you thought. Really, that we first expected. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was two big challenges in setting the business up. The the platform. You know, when you first sit down and you know start understanding how it, how long it takes to build a website, you know, and you have those early conversations. It seems like that could be quite quick, but the reality is it, it's quite a complicated website. There's a lot that, that it needs to do, um, you know, from everything through to the registration process, the ID checking, integrations with you know client accounts, and and things like the deal room and the dashboard that we you know important sure. f- features that we that we want investors to have. Um, so that took um, the best part of uh, uh, 12 months really to get to a, to, to a, uh, the web. Uh, you know the website to a place where we were happy with it and, um, and it was sort of functioning the way we wanted it to and then the other challenge was the regulation the, the you know the process of being authorized by the fca both as individuals and as a firm took um, the best part of 12 sure. months in fact over 12 months it was about 15 months in the end so. and i'm going to ask <coughs> anthony this obviously crowdfunding does it does that come within the financial services act or is it separate from it I think the connecting of uh, investors with opportunities and the soliciting of investments yeah. is going to be regulated. Right. Um, but if you happen to have connected, then consummating the deal, so to speak, is a separate Separate effect. outside of that. Exactly. Yeah. But funds held within your client account are obviously covered under the... Uh, government scheme as well, yeah. The financial services compensation yeah. scheme, yeah, yeah. 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 While yeah. they're held in their their e wallet, effectively, as we yes. refer to it, but Might not it um, the investment itself when it's invested into the SPV is not. So at the moment, what have you got? An imbalance between developers and fund uh, investors, or you got more investors than developing 
projects at the moment? Uh, I'd say the shortfall at the moment is probably in in investors um, because of the way um, that because of the scale of the the, the project. So um, really, that you have quite a flexible flexibility in terms of how much you can invest in a project. We tend to co-invest in projects at the moment alongside um, institutional investors. Yep. Um, so we have a good supply of, of you know a certain type of project as well. We 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 we're quite, I mean, you've seen the platform. We're quite selective um, in, in yep. terms of what what goes in the platform. The vast majority of the projects, development projects we see, don't make it onto the. To the what was, did I notice one was a conversion of an old police station? And yeah, that's, flats, that's, yeah. yeah, that's live at the moment. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a really, really nice project right in the heart of um, Norbury in, in southwest London. Exactly, yep. it's a conversion of a, a police station and also they're building a new build block um, behind it, which is overlooking the park in Norbury. And um, I used to live uh, about 10 minutes from, from there. So, I assume so it's a medium-sized <coughs> developer, small to medium-sized developer has picked up a plot to develop on. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So at the problem. point where they're coming to us, they they already have um, yeah, uh, either an option or, or, or a position to be able to secure the site, planning yeah. permission in place, and um, and a, usually a loan or, or finance agreed in principle. Um, and so it's, they're just looking for this this equity piece. But yeah, no, that's a, a lovely development. Now, um, <coughs> I've been involved in Canadian property market for a little while before as well, and I was involved in some of that. And what used to drive that market was actually the cost to build, not the speculative cost of the finished home right so because land cost was so low obviously they've got you know hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of millions and thousands of acres yeah um <laughs> but it was actually the cost to build that drove the cost of the final properties other than some very select locations out i'm talking about outside towns and cities you know yeah. like that. do you ever see that happening here because obviously you know the, the cost of property in london is not dictated by the cost to build it is it no, I was going to yeah. say it's probably the opposite. It's true here in that, yeah, the, the, yeah the, the, the cost of the, the site is, is, is far more um, a bigger proportion of the spend. But it is it's certainly relevant. I mean, one of the things that we would look at in due diligence is the expected cost per, um, you know, cost per square foot. And obviously now we see a vast number of projects in similar areas, so it's very easy to compare um, and pricing. But um, very often that cost is driven by the finish. It yeah. depends on who, who your target audience is at the end of this. If you're looking for a, you know, a, high a, end a, a pen, yeah, yeah. penthouse yeah. in, in, in prime yeah. central London, then the cost per unit will be very different but, okay. but that's a choice you know yeah. in terms of the market and that's priced into the, the eventual sale as well fantastic James. Hey, where can listeners find out more about homegrown yeah i should have said so um we're um homegrown.co.uk is the um is the website and the idea is that the website should should um, be able to take you through the entire you know the journey in terms of explaining what we do um and also if not then of course you can you can contact us so it's uh, info at homegrown.co.uk and to say I'm Anthony brilliant thank you thanks for that's great to speak to you I know you're going to hang around for the rest of the show so yeah, thank you so much. much brilliant well it is that time James here we go here we go so it is now unboxing uh, hopefully it's slightly more interesting than <laughs> one we had earlier hey. last week's one yeah it yeah it was a um, little um, yeah Hmm. wasn't quite as so well. uh james opened the box and uh is there anything in there there is it's uh, it's incredibly way. small so we've got some oh some eyewear glasses so um, read what it says on there multi not just any it's multi -fun functional or oh, the typo there multi fun functional is that is that a there's word there's a c missing yeah that. uh eyewear glasses hd fun. clear or maybe it's no, a it is, yeah, functional oh no yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's <laughs> dig a bit deeper and find out. Is it out. misspelled on other places as well? Uh, we'll find out. It cool. might mean they are a lot of fun. Exactly uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we'll you be, be the right. judges of that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
what do you think of the packaging? Pass it around first of all. So uh, pretty uninspiring, mm, I think. But yeah, especially if they can't spell. Yeah, uh, it does uh, raise some concerns. Yeah, I'm still not certain what they are. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> at this stage, but... No, it's not apparent, is it? I might it? have done if I picked it off the shelf, obviously. It looks like a camera lens. It um, also looks like a box of After 8 mints. <laughs> yes. And it comes up from wiseupshop.com. Okay. No expense spared. No expense spared. <laughs> Thanks, it's producer Danny. Definitely interesting. Um, lots of sellotape around it. Yes, yeah, like very interesting packaging. That's to increase the unboxing pleasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Produced by Wiser. Yeah. Assembled in China. Yeah, um, there's a surprise. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what's inside. Well, Aaron, why don't you have a go? <laughs> Deep dive in. So uh, it's like an inner sleeve, is there? Yep. Okay. Oh, there's an inner sleeve. That's right. There we go. So we've got what? We've got like a plastic box. Plasticky box. Yeah. This is the, the no moment. Here we go. Wow. Oh, look at that. International plug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know where that's come from us. then. Uh, well, we have a. Just in case you've got an American plug too, um, a Euro right. plug even. Euro, yeah. Oh, so we've got USB. Okay. And so we've got so basically, this is these are glasses for the Snapchat generation. Are they really? Yeah. I don't know. So upgrade your look with stylish eyewear, creative design, and style for all of your <laughs> eye care needs. I really. Classic shapes such as ovals, What's rectangles, and almonds. Is, I assume that's protective. Is this protective? I can't take it off. <clears throat> Does someone else want yeah, to help me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you carry on. It's not part of the design. <laughs> Are there any instructions? Oh yeah, hold on, James. Let's have a look. I feel like they could have packaged us a little bit better. They could have done a little bit better with the packaging, hey? So it's basically like <laughs> there's instructions to download. Are we sure we should have taken? I love the wording on the outside, which is classic shapes such as ovals, rectangles, and almonds. You might have to confidence, your headphones off. Confidence boosting for serious business. <laughs> They're very lightweight. Cheap. In other words, <laughs> yeah. is that what you mean by lightweight? Very cheap, yes. Unsubstantial. <laughs> okay, they look just like glasses, but they have a micro USB port in them. So the question is, what do What's they do for? beyond glasses? We do. There has have... to be a camera in here somewhere. Do you think? Yeah, yeah they're so inside. There's a manual, but it's online. So I'm just trying to download that. It doesn't actually come with one. So I've got the micro. Hold on. I've got oh. the micro USB. All right. Oh, oh, we have the manual. Danny is uh, prepared mm -hmm. for us. Thank you, Danny. So, uh, go. Oh, it says we cannot, <laughs> could not find what you're looking for. <laughs> is that what it says? You can't find it online. I don't know if I've just you, knocked the page. Just if I for fashion, yeah, maybe. quite quite fitting. At worst, I think they make you look like a right banker. Lose <laughs> 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 um, those. <laughs> so we go. So I'm blind anyway. So. Oh, they, 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 they look good yeah, on you. Well. Do you? Yeah. They make me look educated. <laughs> no. Definitely. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're probably better than. Are they better than the other ones? These ones. Definitely. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> They're very reflective. They are. They seem to make things clearer. Am I imagining? Things? Well, it says HD clear on the packaging. Well, there's a button on top. Is it, uh, did it turn on? No. Hold on. Let me have a look. I need to put my proper glasses on. Considering there's a camera in here, they're quite lightweight. Do you reckon? They could be pretty heavy, yeah. considering there's a camera. What's the button on the top it's there, USB Aaron? thing. There's a little okay, a screw. So yeah, there is a button there. Oh, there is, yeah. yeah. Can I turn it on? Can we yes. turn it on? Should I go? Have a go. Yeah. It will start recording HD footage. So it's, what, so it's, spy, <laughs> it's two, a spy camera? There's two buttons. Uh, okay, so on like here, 
There's a micro SD slot and a USB port. Yeah, I assume it's got, got Bluetooth that. to beam to your phone or uh, something. <laughs> I don't know. I think <laughs> that may be a step too far. I really do. Uh, it's audio. Oh, no, yeah, mini, just... Video recorder with audio recording function. So, hold on, so I've got a button on there's top. There's a photo there's... button and there's a video record button. So, the right. video record button's slightly closer to the lens. Yeah, I've got that. Right. So, so press it. Yeah. Uh, How do we know it's actually sorry, there's working? A, there's a power button as well. Where's that? Then? Which is the photo? It's this power slash photo button. The other one. Okay. So maybe hold that for a sec. Um, oh, it's on. Hang on, I have a blue light. Most of the video recorded by these glasses are of incredulous owners trying to figure out how to work. Yeah, this is close How does that work? <laughs> right, I have a blue button. Come on. What does the blue button mean? Um, I wish I knew, Steve. Oh, uh, no, <laughs> I think the blue button is probably on. Miserably. That probably means it's on. Okay, well, so... Let's start... Is there a red button when you hit the record button? No, it just no. goes out. doesn't change. doesn't change, okay. Um, right, hold on. So, how do we now download what we've got? So, is there a, there's a micro SD card Yeah, port. got it. Uh, if you pop that out... Oh, I've got a laptop just here. We're trying to right. watch it back. I'm putting the micro... Can thing. you push some of the buttons so I can do a Bluetooth scan and see if it Yeah, sure. It. Have a go. Uh, right, I've turned it... Uh, I think I've turned it on. Or have I turned it off? No, I've turned it on. Can you... you picking up anything? No. No. Someone's got a BT Case Flex keyboard nearby, though. <laughs> don't hack my phone, either. <laughs> <laughs> and read out I, my last I don't quite tape. understand how these are confident boost, um, confidence boosting. If you get them working, more, yeah. you can be confident <laughs> yeah. of your technical abilities. You can do anything. <laughs> I suppose if you're in a secret meeting, you could, true. Yeah. Or you could just record people who are, you happen to... And they go, no, I didn't say that. And you go, well, actually, you did. The, the blue flashing light's a small giveaway of its uh, <laughs> intent. Ah, but okay, it's on so the inside. I found a video. Oh, the picture wow. in the manual is lots of people in meetings and... Uh... Yeah, there we go. That's why they look more nerdy than the yellow fla uh, Snapchat ones. So here we go. James so has got a video. The video we've got is, I think, just us trying to play around with it, as Anthony uh, mentioned earlier. That's us. Yep, exactly. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> right, who's going to wear it and take some more? Should we have another go? I'll have a quick go. Go on then, James. The date's a bit off mine, isn't it? It's 2015 there. Is it? That's probably when they were made. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, by looking at the technology and the quality of the video, I think it was probably 2005. So which button was it, Steve? Oh, uh, no, you have to... I don't know. <laughs> it's the one nearest the lens. Okay. So uh, the one nearest the lens... And then the blue light appears... I don't know. You had the instructions, mate. I did, I, think, yeah. I did. So <laughs> give it a go. Can't see him without my glasses. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, press it once. Yeah, I pressed it once, yeah. So yeah, I think so I might have got be. about or press 10, it 10 seconds of footage yeah, now. Yeah, press it again. Press it again. Is that the right one? Uh, I don't know. Is that <laughs> the right <laughs> nearest the lens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, pressed right, that okay. twice now. So hopefully that has recorded. Should James, we have a look? You are so stupid. I'll take a couple of photos <laughs> as well. Yeah, oh, no. You're going to turn it off now. Go on. All right. Take a photo. Uh, no, I have done. I have, have done. You? I think. Right. I don't know. Let's have a go. Let's see what we've got. <laughs> Let's see the uh, result of that. And our guests will be amazed at the quality <laughs> of the imagery that's produced. I'm I think sure. the clear problem is here. Once upon a time, many years ago, you took a photo of the camera, then you had to go off and get it developed. These yeah. days, we're used to seeing what the camera yeah. sees. But now, unless it has the mysterious ability to 
beam you it to put the computer. Your glass on, James. You can't see to put that back in, can you? Can't you can't I'm, I'm short-sighted, not long-sighted. <laughs> it's deeply frustrating that you use it. You can't see the results until later you plug it into the computer to go, Dope, it didn't work at all. That instant yeah, no, feedback. Yeah, you're right, actually. Um, so, I'm, I'm just going to go around the room while we get that. What sort of price? Would you, what would you? Uh, what would you think they retail at, Anthony? It's difficult because the concept is quite cool, but yeah, it is really. Uh, the execution is maybe slightly lacking. Yeah, sort of dated, isn't it? Mm. So that it doesn't look the boxing, the packaging, things like that. So yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Hundred pounds, hundred and fifty pounds. Christ! Remind me never to come shopping with you. <laughs> I didn't say it was worth it. I said it's what they were. Hundred to hundred and fifty. Okay. I would have said I would have said ninety nine pounds. Ninety nine pounds. But for you, seventy nine. Okay. All right. On on, on other <laughs> online shopping channels are available. I'd yeah. say twenty four ninety nine. Twenty four ninety nine. Because we looked at a promotional gimmicky thing similar because our company is called C Fashion. Okay. So having glasses with a video recorder. So you've got insider knowledge. I, I've I've seen ones that are quite cheap, cheaper than that. But I'd say twenty four ninety nine. Twenty four ninety nine. Uh, I'm gonna say thirty nine. 95. I'll say 30 pounds. Put your glasses back on, oh, James. Yeah. You're oh, Don't recognise me. Yeah, totally completely different. I feel a lot so more confident. Have now. you found any video? <laughs> uh, no, I've found loads of pictures. There's about 300 pictures on this. I don't know if oh, let's have a look. Return. Let's see. It's Put it's it, turn like, it round. It's all like. <laughs> Where are they from? Some of these holiday. Yeah, like ceilings. And I think someone might have had the same idea as us and returned this. Um, Can we just? Uh, this could be quite exciting. Actually, I'm really looking forward to looking through those. Yeah. <laughs> How do you scroll through them? Uh, I think if you come down here and just have a click. How many photos? I know it's. Can't we scroll through them on the screen? They, they appear to be most of the inside of the box. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> so it's been knocked. Uh, any video? No, just the two videos that we had earlier. What happens if I press every button on your computer? It's James? probably not going to do it much <laughs> favors. No. Uh, no, it's oh here we go. Yeah, so they're all loading up. It's oh, all the same. Yeah, it's no, all just no good. Yeah. The, so these are mostly like NASA pictures of some faraway <laughs> galaxy. Is that an alien? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> right. So we we haven't got any video. No, just the videos that we the brief the ones, ones we took, took earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to try and get those up while we ask the producer Daniel yeah. to tell us? Okay. So surprisingly, these aren't the cheapest ones that we have. What we could have bought. So these are the eight gigabyte, nineteen twenty times ten eighty HP HD spy glasses. HD. HD. <laughs> only the finest for you lot. Um, the battery capacity is about sixty minutes. Um, it's targeted towards if you are maybe in a lecture or something, you don't retain information very well. You can use these, and then you can obviously review the information that was given at a later sleeping. time. Or like Steve would have been asleep. <laughs> um, I thought the sound quality actually was a lot better than I thought it would be. So that that's something that when I was looking at the reviews, I thought, oh, this could be quite bad. But I thought the uh, sound quality was quite good. Um, yeah, do you want to know how much you were? Definitely. Yeah, go. Okay, so I'm not sure who said twenty four ninety nine, but this was originally for sixty two pounds eighty nine and on sale for forty three ninety nine. I said forty odd pounds, I think. <laughs> did I? <clears throat> you did. You did. I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> so there's the video. So forty four ninety. What'd you say? Forty four ninety five. Forty three ninety. Forty three ninety nine. I think we're a little unfair on it because uh, the 
poor wording on the packaging and the slightly poor packaging mask, might, might have, mask what could the, be quite a useful utility yes. item. I don't think it's a fashion item. No. But if you, for example, were on an industrial espionage trip and you thought people wouldn't recognize <laughs> yeah. those glasses with the flashing light, it yeah. actually could do the job. And, and that, 60 minutes, you can get quite a few documents scanned. And a micro USB hanging out the side. That's Probably true. not, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I'm going to go, Anthony, do you think, we have to grade this, obviously. So do you think it rocks or it should go back in the box? I think for the price, it rocks, really. Yeah. I'm quite impressed with that for, okay. for 40 quid. Maybe. Anthony? I think it would be another one of my gadgets that I would actually buy and would sit unused while I waited for that perfect opportunity for... For it. espionage. Exactly. Or maybe some other form of um, undercover yeah. work. Exactly. A yeah. date where both parties wear one of these over dinner, for example. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then feed back to each other. And then use wow. big, big data. Then use big data later to work out. <laughs> I think um, I think Match. dot com has just found its next uh, next big thing. Um, HD Match. I I think if the box was different for that yeah, price, it could it could be a, a quite a cool gift. Just needed a bit of James Bond on the box just or does, some yeah. sort. Of, yeah, or it needs some like some of that school stuff you mentioned. You know, it, I can imagine lots of like international students that might benefit from this. The box doesn't suggest it's a pair of glasses. There's nothing to suggest it's no. a pair of glasses. No. <laughs> I getting... mean, it's got other. I mean, other probably <clears throat> elite. Well, it has got illegal uh, possibilities as well, isn't it? Because you could actually wear them to the cinema. Oh, and then now you're talking. Back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you need two pairs. short films. You need yeah, two pairs, <laughs> obviously, because <laughs> you'd have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah be a, a ten-minute short film. <laughs> Well, um, I think it rocks, and I, I definitely think yes. James? Yeah, I'll go with it rocks as well. Um, seems a general consensus. Don't want to be. No, <laughs> yeah. oh, I think you can be an individual, James. <laughs> Go on, come I on. Think, no, okay, Don't I'll be a sheep. I'm going to say back in the box. Say it's too expensive, I think, for, for what it actually does. Really? As Danny said, the sound and the video quality are good. I think but the light's not very good in here, though, is it? No, I think no, that's what's yeah. actually affecting it. I do. Yeah, yeah we'll take them outside and. Try I, I think. Later. I think the biggest problem is you can't beam it to your phone. If you have to plug a USB cable in to, to yeah. put it to your computer afterwards, these days you'd expect to stick the thing on, phone. have your phone in front of you, and watch what you are looking yeah. at. Well, when they actually drag them into the uh, this current century, then hopefully they'll be able to do that by Bluetooth. So uh, yeah, but not a bad little uh, not a bad yeah. little product. That actually. was fun. Good. So, uh, we're now joined by our next guest, James, aren't we? Yeah, Aaron uh, Jones from Sea Fashion. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Thank you very much. Um, and you're, you're, tell us a bit about, about what you guys are doing. Helping yeah. Look, startups, aren't you? So, yeah, so we, we give um, fashion retailers of, of all sizes the ability to, to give uh, customers visual search yep. and also to make more intelligent recommendations. Um, currently, 1.1 trillion is lost every year because of out of stocks and overstocks. This is a huge problem. Either people can't get what they wanted, or they just um, they just don't want what's on offer. Yeah. And retailers are just struggling to keep up, and brands producing new fashion products are struggling to keep up with with taste. And there are lots of tools out there that analyze sort of um, social media sentiment, and there are even tools that make recommendations, but none of them really sort of look at people across the web. Um, our software is different because we, we have tracking on all the websites that are partners and we track the user's behavior, um, what they're looking at, and then the, the recommendations are based on visually similar items. 
So it's not advertising. We'll never promote another website's product on someone else's website. Yeah. But we'll show the we'll show the customer visually similar items that they took an interest in elsewhere. And I'm not talking just looked at, but maybe they added to basket or yeah. they visited it a few times across a month. And we use like a, a really broad mixture of ways to identify people, not just cookies, but um, cookies, fingerprinting, and social login as well. So that's so, sort so of the, by, yeah, yeah. So by that, you can see either what trends they're currently looking at, i.e. across a broad range of different suppliers or different uh, um, sales outlets, and then you're able to take that, distill it, and then use that to help help your clients yeah and there's nothing worse than going on to like you know you're you're on asos or on a website and you're trying to buy a pair of trainers and you've you've been you've been promoted that uh, you've been advertised that this 50 percent off <coughs> pair of trainers and you, you've seen that you've been like wow that's amazing and you click through and then you've got to find the trainers that are on sale and then you click you click through to the the trainers that are in your size and you realize the trainer you wanted isn't available um that that's when our sort of visual, visually similar software also kicks in um, so we can show you items that are available in, in size in size 10, if that's your size. And we know your size 10 because when you've been on other websites, you've tried to check out with size 10 products. Yeah. It's just, there's just so much like, there's so much data. There's, there's so many products out there online. It's, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Mm. Whereas our software just takes the customer search time from several minutes down to less than half a minute. So with the, the sizes, obviously, that's, I guess, quite... I say easy, but yeah, easier yeah. To, to translate into another product. But in terms of the the sort of visually aesthetically similar, how does how does that your software operate that? Yeah, so we have um, two modules. Um, one, well, three actually. One is the um, visual search. So you start with like a, a style picker, and you pick out one one item that you want to start with, and then we show you visually similar items, and we always throw a few a few boomerangs in there, a, a few things that don't match that that don't match the criteria, so that you've got like a a, an alternative journey to go on yeah and then in sort of five clicks you'll normally get to what you what something that you could buy that you're interested in uh it's better than going through menus and looking for it oh, you know oh, like no, it takes forever, it takes forever doesn't, doesn't it, it? Yeah. i mean james is often on giacomo <laughs> aren't you <laughs> <laughs> hey james i've got yeah i'm on, I'm on, bonus, I'm on yeah. tall and wide <laughs> <laughs> or short and fat i think it's called but and, how, um, yeah, and the other so tool, is it image yeah. recognition? That's it's image recognition, right, yeah. Okay. But it's it's also tagging yep. and looking at. So it's not like oh, this is red, so we'll we'll show you um, something else that's red. It's <coughs> a lot more high level than that. Yeah. Uh, based on the category, based on the subcategory and tags we associate to the product. And what sort of improvements are uh, retailers seeing in terms of helping their? Um, some people as much as thirty percent increase really? in conversion. Really, um, with with larger retailers, we, we haven't seen um, figures quite that big. But with smaller retailers, but that's still a, it's a made a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. If you if you spent like hundreds of pounds on adverts to get a, a small number of people there, you want to be able to give them the best experience you can in store. Uh, you can take a look at someone as a personal shopper and have a rough idea of what they might be interested in. Online, that's in, that's becoming increasingly difficult uh, because advertisers are using um, online identities in, in negative ways. And we're trying to use online identities in a positive way to give the customer what they want quicker. So, um, so that click through five yep. clicks, you think to get to where you want to be, yes. and you're offering them alternatives all the way through that process as well. Yeah. Um, th there's two modules. So one is the recommendations, one is the visual search. And once you get to a product page that you like, um, we then sort of add all these sort of items that you like and that you look at and fr from there you'll probably start looking at other items that are similar that the store has to offer and you, you might sort of you know once you found something you want and add it to basket 
then you might go adventuring around the website. Yeah. And once someone's added something to Basket, they're far more likely to stay on the website because there's like a commitment from them to say, I actually would like to buy this product or I'm interested in buying it. Whereas when they're just browsing and they're not really engaged with, with the brand, there isn't really much loyalty. Mm. Um, so we try and get that first ad to Basket that's available for you to buy right now uh, in hope that they'll spend more time browsing. And, um, and then we track, track what they're looking at. And then if they leave, uh, or if they try to leave, we make them a recommendation. And if they go on another website that's in the network, uh, we have a recommendations widget. It's up to the store which ones of these widgets they install. But we have a widget that shows them visually similar items that they viewed elsewhere. Um, so that w when they when they start the journey on, say, Zara, uh, instead of having to look for all the all the women's clothes, you know, you're a bloke, you've been looking for trainers, we'll recommend you um, trainers and men's clothing. Yeah. So is there ever sort of a, an issue with um, some companies being out of stock in something and, and you suggesting a pair of trainers in another brand? Is there a sort of conflict of interest there at all? Um, not really, because no. um, like we never recommend something that's available on, on another website. Uh, it will still be internal. Yeah, to it's that always internal to that website. website. Yeah, okay. And if the customer leaves and they decide to go somewhere else of their own accord, yeah, um, we then give the customer the best head start possible on, on the new store. On that new, but they have to actually make the the move uh, to the another link. website. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And so, we'd never encourage anyone to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so what about some of the metrics that you're giving feedback to the actual retailer? How does that work? Yeah, like at the moment, the problem with like um, with analytics in the market is that you can only see what you know. Uh, if you sell green dresses and, and blue dresses, you can only see that you sold more green or that green's more popular than blue. Mm -hmm. um, whereas our data can tell people that actually the segment of users that are browsing your website for a long period of time and revisiting but not buying are going on to buy pink dresses. Yeah, you, right. need to, you need to start selling pink. Yeah. So that, that's the sort of insight so we can give so retailers. So you, you will share the data about what happens to that that, that spending profile, regardless of where it takes place, yes. you're going to feedback and say, you had somebody on your website for five minutes, they then left and actually went and bought this. Uh, it, uh, it's never on an individual basis, but it's no, always but a, a, a segment, summary, yeah. a segment yeah. of users that look look this way or that match a, a list that you uploaded um, of have behaved in this way. Because the fashion industry is really difficult, isn't it? I mean, the yeah, churn so is, <laughs> I mean, the turnover of new <clears throat> new products stock levels it, it must be a killer really mustn't it and everyone's doing multi-channel so it's just right. you know you could sell something on one channel and then it becomes unavailable as someone's checking out on another channel right it, it's tricky because every channel has different rules about about locking locking stock mm -hmm. like you know if you sell it on amazon for example um, amazon doesn't have any lock on stock um so you know you might not be able to complete a transaction because it's been sold elsewhere really yeah and what about, I mean, dis we are seeing a lot of discounting at the moment, aren't we, in the fashion yeah. industry? I don't think it's a problem. I think discounting is good. Um, but obviously, th there's a culture now with customers. Um, the customers expect it. So people have had, brands have had to inflate the prices. Uh, so people feel they're getting a good deal. And because it's become such a, such a social norm, I don't think we should be trying to fight discounting. I think we should just be trying to restrict when we discount. Yeah. And we should be sort of doing sort of sales and we should be doing special like Amazon Prime style events and, and days where we offer discounts rather than having like, okay, it's end of season um, or, you know, we're going to sell all our stuff because the, the current trend forecasting tools, um, I, I won't mention any names specifically, but they're all about sort of following your competitors and trying to beat them to sale yeah. or trying to, <laughs> and, and I think it's a bit flawed trying to beat someone to sell your stuff cheaper. 
I think it's far better to try and beat them to giving the customer the best experience possible. Sure. And what they want. Yeah, yeah because then everyone wins um, and we can sort of try to undo some of the damage that's that's happened over the years. Yeah. No, that's great. So where do people, yeah. where would people get more information about what you do? Yeah, just head to www.csee.fashion. And what's your favourite shopping outlet? online oh i can't tell you that of course you can, <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. um i really what like was an, <clears throat> the one you would use most i really like an app called comb um okay. comb app is a, a a visual search app whereby you take a photo of something you see on the street or in a magazine and it finds you visually similar items okay um that, that i rather than go to one store i'd rather go and find the product i want Okay. Well, if you use that on James's shirt, it'll probably, <laughs> it'll, it'll probably uh, uh, take you to some vintage stores, I think. I think that's where it's going to take you. Buried your shirt today. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, the days of me fitting into that are long gone. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you thank for joining you. us. Now, uh, finally, we're going to come to Anthony Rose. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit legal, really, aren't we? Well, more startup funding rounds than legal, I think. Yeah. So Seed Legals, I'm founder and CEO, is uh, a new startup that basically takes care of everything you need in the legals around a startup funding round. So if you look at uh, our other uh, colleagues in the yeah. studio today, everyone has an idea. They start uh, assembling a team. They start designing it. And everything you need, you can do online. So if you need web services, you can go to Amazon. If yeah. you need a website, you can use WordPress. If you you know use Slack or email, everything's on, except when it comes to doing the paperwork for a funding sure. round. And there you have to go to a lawyer. They'll charge five to 10,000 pounds. But more importantly, it takes forever. You can't at you know, 11 o'clock at night, log on and do what you need. And we sought to change that. So my background is I used to head up BBC iPlayer. I, I know tech development. Then after I left the Beeb, I built a company. I sold it in 2015. Then I built another company and I sold it in 2016. And I've invested in a few companies. And I got tired of paying lawyers to do all the legals. And I thought there had to be a new way. Sure. So with my business partner, we got together about a year ago. We're eight people now. We've just closed our own funding round of a million pounds on our platform. And, uh, and well, it's a complete site. So you go to seedlegals.com. There's a video on the homepage that shows how it works. But essentially, um, you can build your team. You add team members. You give them roles. Then you can build your share register. You can say who owns which shares. And then you can start building all the documents for a funding round. Right. And interestingly, what we discovered, and was perhaps a surprise, was that I thought people would need most help with the legals. It turns out people need most help with just knowing what they need to do. Yeah. Because if you say, let's do a funding round, you actually don't know. What I, would, I wouldn't know to start. Where, exactly. Where would you go exactly. to first? Yeah. So, so you, I mean, the key things that you'll need for a funding round, you need a term sheet. And a term sheet essentially sets out the key deal terms. I want to raise a million pounds at a three million pound valuation or something like that. And I'm going to offer these things to my investors. And then you get them to sign the term sheet, which indicates they all want to be on the bus and go together on the journey. Um, and after that, you need to do a shareholders agreement and then an articles of association. And then there are a bunch of documents to and, close and the round. Some of those documents would exist already, but probably wouldn't be 
uh, suitable enough. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so you can find templates, but yep. no sane person would download templates from the internet to build their company on, on Googleable templates because, you know, an Articles of Association is about 60 pages and a shareholders agreement might be 30 pages, and they're all really interlinked. So what we discovered is the way lawyers work is you, they will, you know, you call your lawyer, you tell them what you want. Some days later, they send you back a 60-page Word document, so yeah. which, which you then read to figure out if it had what you intended. Then you share it with your investors, and they go, well, actually... Actually, we, I'm not going to invest it, now. Well, Sorry. Or, 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 Paragraph 6, <laughs> subsection 2, 3 says... Well, they, yeah. they probably want to invest because you've sold them on the vision, but they want some other terms. Then you go back to your lawyer, and days go by, yeah. and it, it costs for each iteration. And there's an information asymmetry because you know all about your field, fashion or property or health or something but you don't know anything about funding and your investors and, and lawyers do so with our platform we completely change that the you input information about the company you answer questions and then builds all the documents and it's also a collaboration platform so you can add investors they can e-sign online in our own funding round everyone e-signed right. a couple of them on holiday in spain signing <laughs> on their iphone it was fantastic on previous rounds where i used paper it took days of futzing yeah. around printing things and collating signatures i could now walk around town and see signatures and get a push notification on my phone as investors signed i mean we um we speak to lots of young companies that are uh, you know normally it's like they've been bootstrapping for the start and then yep. they're looking at raising funds and they've run out of family and parents and uncles and aunties and everybody else so they're looking about how they secure uh, what advice would you give to those companies right at the start before they obviously sort the paperwork out, get the company structure correct? You know? that, that's a great point because actually what goes wrong with many early stage startups is, um, you know, a couple of friends, you all have day jobs and now you have a great idea. And then actually some of them don't give up the day job or some of them get a, you know, one of your developers gets an offer and joins Facebook or Google. Yep. And, and now you've given them some shares and now you're screwed for two reasons. One, you've lost a big chunk of equity in the company, which makes it less attractive to an investor because some of your shares are non-performing. And the second thing is the person who's left may now dispute the intellectual property. They go, actually, part of this is my idea. And your entire idea may come to a halt. So I think there are three stages in a startup journey's life. Number one is um, you want to create, incorporate your company, which costs a huge 12 pounds yeah. on company's house. You can do it in an hour or so, it's dead easy. Um, but then you want all of your team to sign agreements. So you want employment agreements, you know, consulting agreements, you want a non-disclosure agreement, and you can do all of that on our platform as well. So from the earlier stage, and it's completely free to do that, you just log in and do it, and you create your team. The next thing is often the friends and family round. So you might be raising, 20 or 30 or 40,000 pounds from people you broadly know. And for them, they don't want complicated documents, no. but actually you, you, you owe them a duty to, of yeah. care to protect them. And well, you need to protect yourself as well. And, and yourself. Yeah. And yeah. often, I mean, you've heard earlier today, SEIS. So for those who don't know it, the government's got a couple of really great tax schemes for investors. They can get a 50 or 30% deduction on their investments, which makes it fuel a huge amount of the early stage seed startup economy in the UK. But there are a few critical steps, and actually, they're a bit of a dark art. If you give people shares before you've taken their money, they may not be able to get the deductions because it looks like a gift and so on. So you need to do things in a certain order, and our site can help you with all of that as well. Okay. And then on a later stage round, 
everything you need is beautifully sequenced. You can see I need this doc, this doc. It shows you who signed each document. You can see which document's the next one. So I think two things. The first, it just demystifies the process. Secondly, we also act like a startup, not a law firm. So we know what our startup friends yeah. and customers are going to want, and we can tell them the you've answer. Gone it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. We can tell them you really want to do X rather than here are 27 things you possibly could do, which leave you no wise as to what yeah. to do. Yeah, sure. And and thirdly, it, it just dramatically reduces the time to complete a funding round from weeks or months to literally days. James. Yeah, on, on average, how much sort of um, money can, can people save uh, without going to a lawyer for this sort of service? Well, we charge generally a fixed £1,600. And unlike a lawyer, we are wanting to delight. So whatever you need, yeah. we operate as a startup. So a startup basically looks to scale. So whatever you need, we want you to be totally delighted and tell your friends. And then we'll look to figure out how we can develop further things to reduce our time for the next person. So it's a fixed £1,600. We've... Most people tell us they pay five to ten thousand pounds or more to a lawyer. One of the things with a lawyer is often it's lots of little bits and pieces. Ah, oh, you want a term sheet? Two investors want a term sheet. That'll be more. <laughs> yeah. So here, I think people love the certainty, yeah. and also you, you know, essentially we, we largely charge on completion. So only when you've got your money, because early stage startups don't have money up front. So up front so, to, yeah. To pay for that, yeah. Exactly. Can I ask the question? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. What if somebody wants to make changes? Because previously we did a pre-sound of two hundred, uh, a pre-seed of two hundred and ten. We're just about to sort of um, raise just under a million pounds, and we, we have our lead investor in place, like pre from a previous round. Yep. But um, like we, we, we were lucky because we had um, I had some friends that worked at Hogan Levels. And they did it pro bono for us. Right. Um, That's but, fantastic. But they showed me the invoice and it would have been a lot of money. Right. <laughs> uh, but very close to the figures that, that you just mentioned. Um, but what about if an if a investor wants to make changes? Of, and, of, of course. And there are a few changes. Is that included in the fee? Absolutely. So the idea is what you want, uh, what funding rounds, like many other contracts, are to bring two parties together to consent some, to something that's in both parties' interests. So um, there's a lot of flexibility. You, there, there must be about 50 types of variables you can change. And for each of them, we explain what it means and what you probably want. In the future, we'll use data across thousands of rounds to suggest. But the, the short answer is yes, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, variation. Uh, it's not so much the variation. You can customize it to all the things you like to want in an early stage round. It's possible an investor will want something that falls out of our system and then we'll figure out how do we include it to work for you and for everyone else in the future in just a couple of clicks. I so, mean, yeah. Everybody said to me that we've spoken to and we were at Unbound last week, which is a startup type sort of event. Yeah. And every company there said that had gone for a funding round, they completely underestimated the amount of time it would take to get get through the process is that is that the same yeah well, i was at a bound as well we were exhibiting there oh were you yeah, yeah. Oh, right. okay that's how i sort of came to came to meet the guys on the show today yeah and um, and we were yeah. at unbound as well oh well there so. you go so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and likewise oh, so, yeah. oh well, there we go so full house yeah it was james was there as well yes uh, he yeah. might have had that shirt on as well actually <laughs> <laughs> or did you wear you your know? other shirt i've got two yeah <laughs> do you lend each other shirts regularly yeah, yeah. we just alternate yeah but but but, but that's exactly the thing so you know it's like if you want to buy a, a property in london you'd think you were the first person in the world who ever wanted to buy a property it this has been done millions of times mm -hmm. and and because people use lawyers individually every deal today is an island and nothing's shared across them but it turns out most 
most early stage funding rounds, particularly in the UK with the government SEIS plans, are very formulaic. And um, you can dramatically speed things up. And also, I think when people see it, they go, why was this so difficult? Actually, these eight steps or 10 steps, but there are 10 are things I need to do. And, and we can get on a Skype call and a screen share and in 30 minutes have built a company's term sheet. I mean, it's literally that fast, which you can share. And in fact, after this, I've got somebody waiting to send out their term sheet this afternoon that they wanted when they found an investor this morning. Mm -hmm. So I think what's amazing is for all of our companies, we start by looking to solve today's problem. There's a utility of doing something. Yeah. But in the future, just as with Anthony and secondary markets, the technology will enable new things. And for example, for me, today a funding round is such a bellyache. You do it maybe 12 to 18 months. But imagine in the future you're walking around town and you get a note text notification saying you're a shareholder in a particular company, you have a preemption right. If you want to maintain your shareholding, it'll cost another 500 pounds, click here. So you can go to models, continuous yeah, funding. Yeah. You can uh, look at data to see whether your terms that are being offered by an investor are good or not. You can rate your investors. So all of these things will be possible in the future as well. And that, I suppose that links into what you do, Anthony, in a way, doesn't it? About the, the, the funding and how it works. Yeah, I mean, this is really relevant to us because we're just, <laughs> I mean, basically after this, after this session, I'm, I've got a call with our lawyers and we're just closing our, our round. So, yeah. um, have I got a platform? Uh, more, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, funny enough. I already have a five to take around a bill waiting for me. If you're paying more than 1600, we should talk. <laughs> I, I, I wonder why he looks in his <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that he looks advert, a bit like purple bricks out of it. Yeah, yeah he looks a bit um, poorer to me. So, anyway, um, we, we unfortunately we're coming to the end of the show. So, where can people get more information from Anthony? On uh, on our site on seedlegals.com, and there's a t there's a video on the homepage as well that shows the system in action. And if you want to contact us, there's a big green button on the bottom right, which will contact initially Anthony Bot, but then shortly minutes later, real Anthony will appear and <laughs> and happy to hop on a Skype call. And I mean, literally, as a startup, we are there to delight and to you know whatever we can help with with your funding round, just ping us. No, that's great and thank you so much and thank you to all our guests thank you James thanks Steve I won't take the mickey out of your show oh, yeah. again and uh, look forward to um, joining you again next week thank you very much thank you thank you